What's going on and welcome into a game day edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson along with my co-host as always Jim Eikenhofer of Pelicans.com. Hope everyone had a safe and enjoyable Mardi Gras weekend. Saw a lot of the videos over the weekend and the Pelicans were doing some business while everyone was celebrating here in New Orleans as the Pelicans defeated the Phoenix Suns on Friday night then the Los Angeles Lakers on Sunday and are back home tonight to welcome in the Sacramento Kings. Pelicans in that 10th spot right now in the Western Conference play-in race and just two games back now, the Lakers for ninth. Joining us today is Mark Medina, NBA writer for NBA.com. If you haven't seen the piece yet, he wrote a great piece on CJ McCollum yesterday. You can check that out on NBA.com or you can follow Mark on Twitter at MarkG underscore Medina. Mark, good to talk to you again. How are you? Hey, good to talk to you. Thanks for the uh, kind plugs. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we had Mark on earlier to talk about Brandon Ingram because he wrote a piece on, on BI the last time the Pelicans were out on the West Coast. Um, before we get to the article, Mar, just wanted to get your reaction just at the deadline, the initial trade, when you heard that CJ was going to New Orleans, kind of what popped up in your mind first? Yeah, I think two things popped in my mind. I mean, from the Portland's end, uh, you know, they decided to make the uh, tough, but I think necessary decision to try to, you know, I don't want to say start over because they still have Damian Lillard, but go through the rebuilding phase. And prior to that deal, you know, I talked with uh, the Blazers interim GM, Joe Cronin. Uh, he obviously, like any GM, is not going to talk specifics leading to the trade deadline, but he talked a lot big picture. And he was saying that, you know, even though, you know, the Blazers have been running into this brick wall of, you know, playoff success is good, but not being able to be that championship contender, that the Blazers still didn't have an appetite to just start things over from scratch. Um, and so here, you know, they're trying to thread the needle where they're still keeping Damian Lillard. They still have uh, Nurkic, but um, they're, they, you know, decide to make the painful decision to part ways with CJ McCollum, not because of anything CJ has been doing wrong, but because, you know, Portland's kind of been stuck in mud. And then the second uh, part was more on the Pelicans end where, you know, I think obviously you guys very well know it's been a tough and trying year for them. And there's been a lot of expectations the last few years that this would be a young team that could make a playoff push and that just didn't seem to be in the cards um and with this trade i don't think it dramatically changes you know their place in the western conference landscape but i think it at least gives them a really good push to be able to make the play in tournament and making the you know be a, a a dangerous team in the first round before i get to jim we'll focus on cj a little bit more when he wrote the article you know a lot of it talks about his leadership and also talks about not the struggles, but, you know, when someone gets traded, especially a guy like CJ has been in one place for so long, it's not as easy as just picking up, moving. He's got a newborn child. He's got a wife. He's got a lot of stuff in Portland still. Um, kind of what did you learn about CJ as far as when writing this article and, this, and talking to him? Yeah, well, I think with CJ, um, you know, one of the interesting things were two things. One, it's what you alluded to about his family dynamics. Um, you know, he has a six-year-old son, um, and he hasn't been cleared yet to travel from, you know, the pediatrician's end. And his wife uh, works in the dentist practice uh, in Portland and is trying to see what career opportunities are there in the Louisiana area. And because of all these different logistics, uh, CJ was telling me that, he doesn't expect his family to join him uh, until the end of this month. And so, you know, he's a professional. He knows this is kind of the, the life as an NBA player where there's a lot of privileges, but there's a lot of uh, things that, you know, you have to adjust to and sacrifice and families being one of them. 
Um, but, you know, he made it clear to me that uh, the family part, it's, it's a huge part and it's a challenge and it's something he doesn't take lightly, but everything else has been positive. Um, you know, he obviously has a lot of affection for Portland and the organization that drafted, drafted him and his history with Damian Lillard. But, you know, I think, frankly, he was ready for a new change. He anticipated the Blazers would make this deal. And, you know, he was in consultation with, uh, with uh, the Blazers to see if uh, they could pull off a trade to New Orleans because he saw them as a very good young and up-and-coming roster. Uh, the second thing is uh, I, I don't want to necessarily say I learned about this, but he doubled down on comments that he made uh you know, to reporters, including you guys, you know, recently about the whole Zion Williamson situation where, you know, he made it clear, at least from his end, that he didn't think it was a big deal that he and Zion weren't able to get in touch. They have since then after he made those comments. And, you know, I think CJ decided uh, to send this message that, you know, hey, don't have all this criticism towards Zion. He needs to, you know, have the space that he needs to focus on his rehab and his injury. And it's something that uh, while CJ has never gone through the injury that Zion has, he can relate philosophically of dealing with injuries, including this year and, you know, what emotions that brings. And so, um, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of tentacles and layers to the Zion Williamson absence in his rehab, but at least from CJ's end, uh, he's trying to send the message loud and clear that, you know, he wants to be an ally for Zion and be a supporter of him while he takes time away from the team. And then once he gets back, uh, try to be that dominant duo that he envisions the two can be. Mark, you mentioned that at this point of his career, CJ was kind of ready for a new challenge. And that's something that he's also commented in his remarks here in the interviews that he's done in New Orleans. Um but what if I'm not sure how much you've gotten to watch of the first seven games that he's played, but I'm, I know I'm sure you've looked at the numbers and seen highlights and that kind of thing. What's been your impression of of how he's played so far? I mean, is it the kind of thing where I, I mentioned this on our podcast on Monday that I feel like I'm starting to wonder if he's even better than advertised in terms of I mean, he's averaged 28 points a game. He's shooting 53 percent from the field. I mean, he's just been phenomenal so far in his first couple weeks with the Pelicans. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, you know, watch the Lakers game uh, that the Pelicans had Sunday. League pass is an amazing thing. You obviously know much more day-to-day than I am, but what jumped out to me are a few things. Um, it is a small sample size, but CJ's role is slightly different where, you know, look, he is a scorer on both teams. He's really good. But uh, in Portland's case, it was more of, you know, sharing the backcourt with CJ McCollum or with Damian Lord. I mean. C.J. McCollum sharing the backcourt Damian Lillard. <laughs> with, with New Orleans, uh, it's kind of this dynamic with him and Brandon Ingram and Valanchunas. And C.J. seems to appear to have taken more of a uh, ball-handling responsibility compared to his time in Portland because Damian Lillard took care of that. Um, I think the other thing that jumped out to me is that uh, when you consider the small sample size especially, it seems like the chemistry is – really good where uh, particularly with Brandon Ingram, they seem to know where each other's at. There seems to be a good balance of both guys looking uh, to score and also set each other up as well as their teammates. And, you know, at least in their time in LA, I'm not going to take much about their win against the Lakers because they've been a hot mess and that's a whole other discussion, mm -hmm. but I do take away, you know, some of 
the developments with their chemistry, as well as, you know, what they talked about where they've had, you know, that dinner uh, meeting that's been well-documented from your guys end of, with Willie Green, where, you know, it, it felt very organic. They talked basketball, they enjoyed some good food, uh, but they really ironed out like, hey, this is the role that we're all looking for. And the main message that CJ told me in that discussion was he told Brandon Ingram, uh, you just continue to be as aggressive as you need to be and don't feel like I'm in your way. Be you as a scorer, defender, playmaker. And the other message that CJ said that he um, told both Willie Green and Brandon Ingram is that uh, he's, he's coming here with the right intentions. He wants to play the right way. He wants to be a leader by example with both how he plays the game and he trains. And so I think with that, I think that's left a lot of people encouraged that um, he has the right motives. He wants to be uh, a guy that will help the Pelicans reach the playoffs, make noise and beyond. And he's not someone that's just trying to get numbers and, uh, you know, get his all-star candidacy lined up or even just be that veteran that's lecturing guys. Um, he wants to be the veteran that's empowering guys through his own work ethic and his actions. Mark, you mentioned the Lakers, and as much as I would like to spend the next 10 minutes or so discussing Sunday's <laughs> game, and as much as probably the vast majority of people listening to this podcast would also like me to do the same, um, you mentioning the Lakers actually reminded me of kind of your background of the jobs and the stops that you've had previously where you know you've covered the Lakers and you've been around the Western Conference. So I imagine that you've spoken to CJ in the past, you know, obviously as an opponent of the teams that you've you've covered there on the West coast. What's your impression of him just in general? I feel like people here obviously are still getting familiar with what he's like as a person, but um, what's been, what's your, what's your opinion of him in terms of like, he just seems like a, a obviously a great guy. And uh, to me in the short amount of time, he's already done a couple, three or four of the best interviews that have been done here in, in the last probably five years by anyone. So I mean, what's, what's it, what was it like just kind of getting to sit down with him and your impression of him? Yeah, well, I, I have a limited window uh, because, you know, I mostly covered the, the Lakers and the Warriors. But, yeah, there have been opportunities for me to talk with them. The, I think the most two pointing examples was when I was, when, when I was with USA Today. Um, and two years ago, I caught up with him and Damian Lillard, you know, obviously when they were in Portland, with just the whole idea of, uh, you know, why have they been so loyal to the Portland franchise during this, you know, era of player movement and, you know, guys joining super teams and all that. And I think, uh, you know, obviously things have since changed, but at that point, CJ was of the mind that look, you know, look at the success that Portland's had with having all these playoff streaks. And they also take pride in just building this thing organically and having a really good team culture and having this attitude of, Hey, it's about improving what, from within. Um, and I think that that really applies to this current situation with the Pelicans. Look, they're another small market team. And as you guys know, uh, the Pelicans, the Hornets, they've dealt uh, and have had a history of star players eventually wanting to leave, whether it's, you know, Chris Paul or Anthony Davis, et cetera. Um, I, I don't think that this is what CJ is thinking about. I, I think that he's looking at the Pelicans as, this long-term investment in a place that he wants to call home and build this thing organically where there there's a lot of good young players with Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram, most notably, and let's try to see what we can do to get to that next level. 
Um, so I think that should be comforting. The other conversation I had with him, uh, at least one on one, was uh, in after shortly after the 2019 20 uh, uh, season ended. Um, he was doing some different uh, business ventures with with uh, with a TV channel where he was doing sit down interviews with Kamala Harris and uh, other political figures, other notable like public servants. Um, he's very worldly. Uh, he wants to you know, help the community. He also has a lot of uh, interest in wine. Um, so I'm sure that, you know, New Orleans fits right, right in. He likes good food, likes good wine, likes good conversation, likes being uh, around people and, and helping those in need. And so I wouldn't be surprised. I didn't ask him this in this conversation, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, once he gets settled into New Orleans and the Pelicans organization and all this, maybe at some point after the season ends, he'll start looking into what can he do to get involved with different projects in New Orleans to help. Absolutely. Uh, before I let you go, we will kind of mention the hot mess of the Los Angeles Lakers. Just for a second, as we talk about the Western Conference play-in race, as the Pelicans sit right now in 10th with the Lakers, uh, two games in front of them. The Blazers are in a tie, but the Pelicans with a tiebreaker as of now, and the Spurs are right behind them. And then even the, Pel the Kings still kind of mathematically in there, but kind of hanging on by a thread as that's who they'll welcome in tonight. What are you seeing from the playing race as far as where the Pelicans stand, as, even as uh, they made the C.J. McCollum trade? It feels like there's some teams like the Pelicans trending in, in the right direction, whereas we saw the, again the Lakers last night falling to Dallas. The Spurs have lost a couple games in a row, and we know the direction of the Trailblazers. Do you kind of see in your eyes that this is a perfect opportunity with 21 games to go for the Pelicans to, to get one of those play-in spots? Oh, without a doubt. And look, I think everything's on the table. Um, but if I had a guess, I think when you're looking at the Clippers, Lakers, Pelicans, Blazers, it's just a matter of what the order is. Like, I think all those teams are going to be in the play-in tournament. It's just a matter of it's is it 7, 8, 9, 10, right? Um, and when you look at all these teams, uh, I think, you know, the Clippers, it's up and down just simply because they haven't had Paul George uh, for a good amount of time. They don't know when he's coming back. Kawhi Leonard, has been out for the entire season. I would be surprised if he comes back. So this is just Ty Lue and his players making the most of what they have. So they're going to be competitive, but you just don't know what you're going to get on any given night because they're shorthanded. The Lakers, you don't know what they're going to get on any given night because they're a hot mess. You never bet against LeBron James, but uh, I don't think you can place bets on Russell Westbrook being reliable. If Anthony Davis comes back, if he can stay healthy and be effective, as well as their role players, they have sh shown some flashes now that they've had a lot more of their role players uh, in the rotation that are younger than older, but still they're, they're a flawed roster. And so uh, while there is a recipe for them to make a run because of LeBron James, there's a recipe for them to continue to go South because everything else is negative. I think to your point, the Pelicans are trending upward because they have a lot of good uh, young players uh, C.J. McCollum's there. Willie Green's a great coach. The Portland Trailblazers, I guess they're in the mix. I'm surprised. They obviously sent the signal that it's about, you know, getting ready for next season. But, you know, the, this these moves have brought a, a new infusion of energy as well. Uh, so if I had to handicap all those four teams, I would think that Portland is the worst out of them simply because of the direction that they're going, while everything else – is up in the air. Um, but I think at this point in time, if I had to make a guess, I think it would be Clippers 7, Pelicans 8, Lakers 9, uh, Blazers 10. But uh, it, it should be an interesting next month.
Absolutely. Should be a fun time here with 21 games to go for the Pelicans. That's Mark Medina, NBA writer for NBA.com. Again, check out his piece on CJ McCollum on the website. You can follow him on Twitter at Mark G underscore Medina. Mark, I appreciate the time as always. And uh, hopefully we'll see you in about a month as the Pelicans will hit the road for our West Coast trip at the beginning of the month. I appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to it, guys. Always good to chat with you and uh, safe travels the rest of the way. Good stuff there from Mark Medina of NBA.com. Jim McEnough and I will wrap up this podcast. Uh, Pelicans and Kings tonight from the Smoothie King Center. Details on that in just a few moments. But, of course, the one thing that's kind of stuck out to both of us, I feel like, Jim, in the last couple of weeks since CJ has arrived is, especially with the narrative, and I'll use uh, Antonio Daniels' hashtag change the narrative, a little bit about players wanting to come uh, wanting to leave. He mentioned the two players that have left previously, but we're not going to get into that. But the the, the narrative and actually the, the truth about what CJ McCollum has to offer, what's really stuck out the Pelicans fans, our organization, us, is the fact that he wanted to come here. He wants to be here long term. He thinks he, he sees something in the talent that they have, especially when Zion Williamson's able to get back. Um, I feel like it's kind of a refreshing thing that not only you hear it once and maybe it's ignored after, but I mean, he keeps stressing in plenty of interviews and, and articles and media availabilities that this is the place for him. And I think that's exciting for Pelicans fans, especially the way he's playing since he arrived. It really is. I mean, he's been exactly what they needed in so many ways, whether it's on the court or off the court. I mean, as we touched on, it's just been so impressive the way he's played in his first seven games. If he keeps this up, I mean, who knows what's going to happen over the course of the rest of the season, but um, like you said, I don't want to rehash the past, but one of the things that Mark said in terms of, you know, star players eventually wanting to leave here, um, for me with Chris Paul, it was a situation where the ownership was in flux. The NBA owned the team. Um, right. that wasn't, I don't, I really don't think that was a specifically new Orleans thing at all. I think if I the same thing had happened in Memphis or another city, Salt Lake city or whatever, where the NBA owned the team, I think he would have made the same decision. Um, with Anthony Davis, I mean, the, to me, the team was starting to win, but he had already made the decision that he didn't want to be here. So in some ways, um, though, I feel like the solution to all of this is winning and that there's people are not going to no one's going to want to leave here if the team wins. Um, maybe that was the case a little bit with Anthony Davis, where, you know, like I said, they were already on an upward trajectory, but it was too late because he was already he had already made his mind up that he was going to leave here. Um, but in, in terms of CJ, I mean, like you said, the way he, that he's gone about this so far has been incredible. Um, he's very, he's, he's been as optimistic and as enthusiastic about the talent here and the future here as anyone. Um, what Willie Green has brought to the, the, you know, we keep, keep using the word culture in terms of the direction that that's going has been incredible. By the way, this is a longer conversation for a different day, maybe, but I love what Antonio Daniels has been doing lately in terms of just the, the stuff that he's been tweeting, the appearances that he's been making on different shows. And uh, I, I fully support everything that he's been doing. I think I saw him today briefly and gave him a pat on the back and said, man, you're doing a great job. I love it. But um, CJ has been tremendous. And uh, I mean, how can you not just love in every way possible? I know I was a major proponent of the trade before he even set foot here. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I think everybody is fully on board now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so, and you're right. Shout out to Antonio Daniels for everything he's been doing, all the interviews he's done. He was on Colin Cowherd yesterday. 
Um, and again, that's the stuff. That's why he uses the hashtag change narrative because I feel like there's a narrative out there about whether the team is going somewhere, which they're not, whether players want to leave, which is not the case. All that is being shown that it's not true based on the acquisition of CJ McCollum. Um, so go ahead, Jim. And, and I think even though I didn't necessarily do a good job of this two minutes ago, I think it's important to look forward. It's important to not dwell yep. on what's happened in the past because there's nothing we can do about any of that stuff. And I think if things keep trending in the direction that they've been in recently, I think we're going to all be really happy with the way the future looks around here. Yep. We have to look forward to 21 games to go. Pelicans would be in as of now, but still have plenty of work to do. It's a two-game homestand, the Kings tonight and the Jazz on Friday night. If you're going to do some scoreboard watching, which Jim and I encourage you to do every single night, it's the Suns and the Blazers, but the Suns just announced that Devin Booker is in health and safety protocol, so he will not play tonight against the Blazers. They're already without Chris Paul, so that game gets a little bit more interesting, but they are on a two-game losing streak, and they are a very good teams. So we'll have to see what happens between those two teams. But very big for the Pelicans, especially tonight, as the Kings are still kind of hanging on by a threat. As I mentioned, you can kind of put them away a little bit, and you've also haven't beaten them in two appearances this year. So the Pelicans and Kings will be a big one tonight at the Smoothie King Center. Again, the way this team played during the Mardi Gras weekend, I hope everyone comes out to the Smoothie King Center and supports this team. Two tough games, and then they hit the road for two tough games against Denver and the Memphis Grizzlies. We'll have another podcast for you on Friday, hopefully recapping a Kings win and previewing the game against the Jazz as well. Big thanks to Mark Medina for coming on today. As always, Jim Mike Knopf for Pelicans.com. And we'll hopefully see you tonight inside the Smoothie King Center. And until Friday for Jim, I'm Daniel. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by Seeky.